Welcome to the Covenant Podcast today. Um, thanks for tuning in with us. We're so glad that you're here. Um, today, I mentioned last week on our podcast that we were going to be starting a new thing. And, and um, I guess it was back around Lent when I was doing podcasts weekly. And um, I really enjoyed doing what we were doing, but kind of felt that maybe we should go in a different direction. And it was through, so we kind of stopped. And it was through this discernment that I was like, you know what? I really think in order for us to sometimes become better disciples of Jesus, we need to hear other people's stories. So that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. We've got people coming on to kind of tell of their journey. So I um, thought of no better way to start this than to bring back a friend of mine, a friend of Covenants, who have, many of you know he's actually come and visited and preached before. Um, we have with us the Reverend Jim Fisk. Hey, Jim. Good morning, my brother. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Thanks for um, thanks for agreeing to come back with us. I mean, I know about every week you've called and begged to come back on, um, and um, I think you've actually agreed to pay money if you could come back on and talk. And so we finally <laughs> decided to do that. So, um, so for those of you that might not know of Jim or have forgotten, um, Jim is the pastor of the First Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Russellville, Arkansas. And um, also a lifelong friend of mine. And um, so, Jim, just before we get into it, an update how things going in your world. Good. Uh, and you're lying. You're, you're lying. You had nobody else to do podcasts this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was the last one on your list. I know you. Uh, things are good, Bo. Uh, life is good in Arkansas. It's uh, probably 55 degrees out there, a cool spring so far, uh, a wet spring. Um, it's just uh, church in the last two weeks. We have just now relaxed our restrictions on the virus precautions, and uh, it feels really good to be able to see people's face and to hear people sing, not through a mask any longer. And um, just uh, it, it feels more like church and, and being being church folks together. Yeah, I think um, I think we're all excited to be be doing that again. So. So Jim, basically, what um what we want to do is um I, I and I know um uh, a big part of your faith story because you and I have you know discussed lives and and things, but I I, I want everybody else to hear. So I'd, if you don't mind, just start off with when did you kind of first begin? Okay, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I, I mean, I want to follow Jesus, and this is how, what I'm going to commit my life to doing. Mm. First. My man, let me congratulate you on being nominated as a uh, candidate for moderator of General Assembly. This is a huge, huge deal. You will be t- potentially be the leader of 50,000 Cumberland Presbyterians and uh, the Shepherd's Shepherd. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather follow as moderator than uh, Dwan Merton. I'm just, I'm really proud of you. Uh, and you'll never get a better compliment from me. I'm proud of you, son. You just really have 
uh, just to be nominated. Uh, oh my goodness, what an honor! Well, and to answer your question, sir. Yes. Um, I got the fire insurance when I was twelve. <laughs> when I was twelve <laughs> years old, I knew that I was going to die and go to hell, and it was going to be pretty quickly if I didn't become saved. And uh, uh, and so uh, after that salvation experience that day, uh, from then on, I could just be free and live the way I wanted to, and did. Uh, and did through my teenage years and uh, my early adult years, and just kind of life was about Jim and. I was saved and, uh, you know, I had no more worries and I began to think, you know, there's, there's more to it than just being saved. There's more to it than just being a Christian. And, and I began to ask, you know, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And, uh, I discovered that, uh, that all of us, uh, are, uh, you mentioned on your, uh, earlier podcast about, uh, we are disciples, our students of, uh, the master. And so what does that entail? And uh, I begin to kind of figure out my role and how it is that I could be a disciple uh, with uh, with what I had and and what I knew. And uh, so life changed drastically uh, for me then. So at what point did you start asking those questions? Um, uh, I remember um, I was uh, 20 six, nearly 27 years old, um, that I, I think part of it was maturity, part of it was Christian maturity, and part of it was uh, having been exposed to uh, God through church. I was a regular churchgoer, faithful churchgoer. My father was a minister, and so I had, had no choice in it for a long time. And then it was a, uh, it was just something that I did. I went to church and uh, I would go to lunch after after church, and mm-hmm. <laughs> just uh, one of the biggest reasons I went to church was to be close to the, the cafe. And uh, <laughs> then I began to understand that wow, you know, God is talking to me, and, uh, right. and so uh, I, I think I began to understand that there's more to life than than just going to church. And so, what is it that God wants me to do? And so I asked that question. It was a horrible, wonderful exhilarating scary thing to ask god what is it that you want me to do because he began to answer and i wasn't quite prepared for the answer you know so um so when you got that answer or or maybe how long did you wrestle with that answer uh four years um uh it it began to be uh and, and that wrestle is a good term that uh, it was just a, a minor wrestling bout <laughs> in the beginning, and right. then it began to get more and more serious, and then it was like an all-out fight. <laughs> and I began, I began to uh, understand that uh, I'm not going to win this one, but uh, but I fought hard. Mm-hmm. And let me, I, I don't even know if you want to hear this, but never ask a minister a question without having to wait for 20 minutes for the answer. But uh, I um. Growing up, I didn't. I, my dad was a minister. He was a pastor. He's a good guy. He was always there. It's like Irma Bombeck said about her father. Uh, he was that guy that sat in the corner. He was always there. But uh, uh, my dad was like that. He uh, he was just always there, and uh, he provided for us. And uh, I, I loved the guy. Liked the guy. Uh, we we didn't do a lot of talking. And uh, as an example, we were. Um, I was probably. 15 or 16, I was beginning to grow up a little bit, and we were driving down the road by ourselves, and 
I said to dad, dad, we never talk. And I said, you know, we just don't, we just sit here driving and we don't ever talk. And, and dad thought about it and thought about it. And finally he said, okay, what do you want to talk about? And it's just like, oh. it's like there has to be something, some reason to talk, you know? And so that was kind of our relationship. Uh, we did things because we had to do those things and there was a reason for them. But, uh, uh, as I began to get older, uh, um, we cowboyed together. We had a, a ranch we shared together. We rented some land together, bought some cows together. And it was at that point that he, I think he understood that I was a man and I saw him differently. And we developed a relationship that we'd never had before. And it was so wonderful. Uh, we'd get up in the morning early. Uh, we'd go feed the cows together before we went to work. And um, we were just, uh, that was what we shared. We talked about, uh, we did those things together. I was, I think I was probably the happiest then I'd ever been. And, uh, and at the same time, I was beginning to think about God wants more from me than what I've been giving and, and just going to church. And so, uh, there was that fight, that inner struggle with, uh, you know, I think I may have to go into ministry, but also I want to be a cowboy. And part of being a cowboy was that relationship with my father that I'd never had. And God would not, God would not take that away from me. He would not take away uh, the dream that I had, but especially he wouldn't take the relationship away with my father. And, um, uh, uh, so I was sure of that. Then I began, <laughs> that wrestle began yeah. uh, to be uh, harder and stronger and uh, finally uh, uh, yielded. And, you know, God didn't take the relationship away from me I had with my father. It was was not about cows anymore and cowboying. He was a minister and I was a minister. And then we had an even greater relationship because we had things to talk about and things to share and uh so we weren't cowboys together anymore, but we were pastors together. And uh, so that was a, it's even better. So. No, that's cool. I don't even know if I answered your question, but I enjoyed no, telling the story. No, it was a fantastic story. I think that that's, I mean, I'm sure he impacted your life in many ways um, along mm-hmm. your journey as well. So so what, is, what are some of the things that... Um, that you learned about being a disciple, not necessarily maybe a past pastor and disciple at the same time from your father that, that you still hold on to, to this day. Um, it's, uh, being a disciple is about people. And, you know, even though the, if the term disciple means a student of Jesus, uh, I, um, I, I think that, that dad taught me that, um, being a disciple is about people you know, if you, you can be a disciple in name or you can uh, study all the books and take all the courses and all, you know, if you're not involved with people, you're being a disciple doesn't amount to a whole lot. And so he taught me about uh, being a servant and um, uh, a disciple is one who is learning from the master, is learning from the master, you know, continuing to learn. And so as we do that, uh, we put that into practice by uh, serving our fellow uh, uh, humans. And uh, so that's probably one of the biggest things I got from dad. He was, he was a people person um, in the later years of his life. Uh, he couldn't do a whole lot, but he could still bake a good chocolate pie. <laughs> and it was pretty amazing that his pie was good. 
yeah. and he would often, I mean, like once a week, bake a pie and take it to someone. And sometimes he would sit and eat a piece with them. Wow. Uh, but just to, just to do something that uh, that shows Jesus. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit when um, you you first uh, entered the ministry, you, you gave up your call and said, you know, part of my discipleship journey is God's calling me to be a pastor and calling me to be a preacher. So um, just share a little bit about that journey uh, in your discipleship Um Mm. Oh, this is, <laughs> I remember, and this is like, dude, this is what happened, and I felt it, I knew. It was exactly like Elijah walking across a plowed field, going toward Elisha with a mantle that he placed on Elisha's shoulder, which meant that Elijah was no longer going to be able to do ministry, he was going up into the heavens, and Elisha was to carry on the work of Elijah. Mm-hmm. And this is huge uh, for Elisha, this responsibility, the, the mantle, the ministry, the being the, in the next Elijah. And so when I went into the ministry, I, I was convinced this is where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. And so the mantle of ministry had been placed on me. And, and in my ignorance, but yet in my... Um, uh, uh, my understanding, not my, my, maybe my, my lack of understanding, was that I felt that mantle being placed on me, and it was heady, and it was strong, and it was powerful. And can you imagine, Dawn, that you are the only man of God, the only minister who knows how to do it right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I yeah I felt that responsibility, and I just knew that I God has told me to do this, and so everything that I thought and felt, even through prayer, uh, through Bible study, all those things that I found, this was directly from God, and it has to be true, because God told me, and uh, and I began to operate my ministry not. And that sounds like I was a horrible dictator and uh, just an iron-fisted minister. But it's like I was so convinced that God had told me that this is what's supposed to happen. When I shared that with other people, it was that same attitude. It's like, you have to do this. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because God told me, and, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, and and you better do it this way, or, you know, there's going to be trouble. And so my ministry was, uh, and I, I've listened to some of those tapes back, years ago back when I first started when the earth was still smoldering and <laughs> just oh it was awful just the the brow beating and the harshness and uh and the assurity uh, that this is the way it is and this is the way it's going to be and God said you know and I began to begin to grow and understand that I'm not the only minister and my interpretation is not the only interpretation and uh, I, I began to take myself a whole lot less seriously. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest helps that I ever got uh, was to not take myself quite so seriously. Uh, take the work seriously, take God seriously, but not the way, <laughs> not me. You know, it's not, uh, yeah. uh, I'm not, um, I'm not Billy Graham and uh, I'm not the only one out here doing this and uh, uh, I'm just a a representative or a disciple of Jesus. 
Right. Was that when you came to that point where, uh, you know, because I was the same way when I came into ministry and being a pastor, I had in my head a way it was supposed to go. And, and the way and and I remember when I first kind of discovered it's not going to go this way, th- there was almost a mourning, a grieving and even questioning of, mm-hmm. of, of things. Did you have mm-hmm. sort of a similar situation? Yes. Yes. It was uh, it was like one of the worst things I'd ever done is, is to uh, I'll use the word educate myself, uh, but uh, to come to the understanding of it's like. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the all and the end all and the be all. Uh, and it was not just about me and what I thought. Uh, that was really hard. It, it was. And yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I, I went through a couple of years there of redefining maybe, um, you know, rediscovering my call and or uh, I don't I, whatever I did, and I, I don't recall exactly how it is, it was a gradual process, but God and I became closer. I, I think, and I tell people, I discovered the real God after I got over myself. Wow. And I was, I was, everything I was doing was in the name of Jesus and for Jesus. And I had the best of intention, but I discovered the real God and uh, God was not, um, not a, he was not so mean or vicious or vindictive or he couldn't wait to get some of these people that I didn't like, you know, God was a, a softer, gentler, uh, loving God. And so uh, it, was, it was a good, but it was, it was awful too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's a painful pruning. Growing is painful. Growing in any way is painful. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and um, as Jesus says in the Bible, it often, it often involves pruning, <laughs> You know, getting rid, cutting something off and out, and that's mm-hmm. that's not easy to do. But I think that's mm-hmm. a big part of the discipleship journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the you were this this happened later, but it's I was just thinking about discipleship and and growing as a disciple. One of the things that you personally did for me, you clued me in on a book called The Shack, and I had heard of it. But it was the devil's book, and all I from, from all I knew was it was awful, and I, I, there was no point for me to look and find out if it is the devil's book because I'd heard it was, and that's good enough for me. And you was the one that said try it, and so I did. And oh my, um, uh, it uh, it's, it's been it's been good for me, uh, challenged some of my beliefs, but also uh, reaffirmed some of the things that I thought and uh, uh, that's been one of the things that helped me uh, just you know along the way you know you'll meet a person um, that's uh, just inspiring yeah. and so they they're good in your in, in the growth of a disciple so yeah I, a lot of stuff yeah yeah you know and I think too and 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 you can chime in on this is uh, one of the things I believe is that God, speaks to us through other people and we don't want to hear it um you know sometimes sometimes god speaks through my wife i don't want to hear that you know or um or god because in the that that's the story of the bible people pray for an answer and god sends a person so go you know <laughs> moses go you know uh, uh and so um you know i think part of 
our journey, a discipleship journey, is to be aware of how God's speaking through other people um, and with new ideas and new perspectives. Because you're right, sometimes our first reaction is to push, oh, no, no, you know, don't want to go hear that or see that or believe that. But that's how we grow, through that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One of my good friends, Dr. Roy Hall, uh, in in Alabama, I had uh, said uh, maybe 15 years into his ministry, he'd been at the same church and was just kind of tired and wanted to change. And uh, uh, so he went home one afternoon and told his wife, you know, I think I'm being called to another church. And she said, no, you're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I stayed there another 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so on your on your journey as you've been going through your your ministry, and and you've mentioned a little bit about this, but but what are some other ways in which like you've you've I don't want to say change because I think change can often be seen as a bad thing. How have you grown? How are you different now? You've mentioned that you see God differently now than you originally did, um, in so many other ways. Are there some other areas in which your discipleship journey has taken you to a place? that was different when you started your discipleship journey, maybe even when you were 12 years old, when you got your, your fire insurance, as you say. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, um, James, the, the apostle talks a lot about faith and works. And that's been a good book for me also to talk, to study, uh, the things that I think and believe and know are, are wonderful. And I, I'm growing on having a better understanding of, of, of faith but at the same time, I, I, I think when I have my little spurts of growth is also in practice. James talked about faith and works, and, you know, you can't have one without the other. And I began to understand that I can talk a good game, but it's like being a basketball player. You know, you can know about coaching, you can talk about strategy, you can talk about plays, but every once in a while you have to play the game. And right. you can talk about it as a Christian you know, faith and works, and you talk about all those things, but once in a while you have to put that into action. And so uh, one of the things that helps me is, and it kind of goes back to how my father taught me, as I said earlier, about about the works part, uh, about being a servant and doing something, being in the game of. Mm-hmm. being a being a servant and uh, I, I don't I only consider myself a servant and if everyone in my church is a servant we're just fellow servants we don't have chief servants or head servants we're all just servants mm-hmm. and our purpose is to serve and so not as an example for the flock here uh, but it's just for me personally that I like to go do something yeah uh to do a good work uh, and and do it in the name of Jesus. I, I can do good things, but if I can do good things and say Jesus told me or, or shared with me. The other day, uh, I've got, and I, ha- I hate to brag, but I'm going to brag. I have a brand new John Deere riding mower. It's like I can have a Cadillac or a yacht or 100 acres of land. I want a John Deere tractor. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and I got me a John Deere 48-inch mower. I'm the pride of the neighborhood. I, I'm, uh, I am somebody <laughs> now that I have a John Deere riding mower. And uh, the other day, I, I mowed uh, a guy's yard. And before I got through, he came out and said, please don't, please don't. I said, no, let me finish. Okay, go ahead and finish. And so he let me finish mowing his yard. When I got through, I said, 
you know, I, uh, you don't owe me anything, but I want you to know that God gave me this more, and he said, I want you to use it for me. And it's like, how do you use a lawnmower for Jesus? Well, yeah. you go mow somebody's yard, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. it was just yeah. one of those things that I knew I could do. I had the time to do. I had the yeah. more to do. And uh, you, you do things, but you do them in the name of Jesus and, mm -hmm. and with a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talk about evangelizing, um, and that, that's just, that's just with people and, you know, being a, a disciple means doing for people as well as other things. But but you have to do for people, you know. Yeah. And, and I think I think a, a lot of that comes from exactly what you said is this mower is not mine. Mm. It was ultimately a gift from God for me to to share. And, and that's the blessing, because uh, we live in a world where it's mine and, and mine and, and, you know, and. And God, that that's how we uh, kind of hole up and become anti-disciple, I guess, instead of saying, no, this is a gift for me to share with the world that God has blessed me with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Well said. Well, good stuff. Well, let me ask you this before we get off here. Um, and, and this is something that I want to ask everybody um, that, that I interview about being a disciple. You've grown as a disciple. You're moving forward with God. What are some, some practices that you do personally that sort of help you um, keep moving, keep growing, maybe books you're reading, things you're doing, practices that you're intentional about that maybe we could learn from? Um, you're not going to believe this, uh, but one of my first answers, <laughs> usually when people say this, I don't believe what. But <laughs> oh, I'll believe but, it. I'll uh, believe it. <laughs> One of the things that I love to do is to is to read, and you mentioned that, but I think that's important. People feel guilty about reading because everybody else is doing something. Everybody else is out active, they're working or they're whatever. I think you ought to take 30 minutes um, to read something. I'm not saying a Harlequin romance or a Western, but I'm, I'm just saying something of a, a spiritual nature, the Bible, uh, the shack, uh, and you ask what I'm reading, I am currently this is what is difficult to believe i'm currently rereading the shack and cool. i could couldn't believe that you mentioned that because uh, duh. and so that's that's important just to read uh keep your mind active and engaged and in um along spiritual matters you know um also i like to uh to do things um uh it's like you and I probably are two of the best husbands I've ever known. Uh -huh. And what makes yep. it so good is because we're constantly thinking, how can I be a better husband? We also should ask, how can I be a better disciple? And what are some things that I can do? And so we're only limited by our lack of creativity is by asking, what can I do uh, to, to show that I'm a disciple? And, um, you know, I'm constantly looking, constantly thinking about, you know, is that something I could do or I wonder what I could do for this person? Uh, so it kind of, along with reading, uh, I also am concerned about, I'm not concerned, but uh, I'm involved in, in doing things. Uh, uh, it just kind of reminds me of who I am and, and what, I'm, what I'm to be about. I also like to meditate. I, I know a lot of people don't have a lot of time to read and to meditate and to read the Bible and to mm -hmm. 
but uh, you know, when we can, where we can, is to just relax and um, I'll not get into the weirdness of it. But when I meditate, I truly am alone. I'm by myself. I my, mm-hmm. I empty my mind, and uh, I'm able to uh, just just meditate and uh, but also um, uh, just. Well, that's it. I just, I don't get, I could talk all the morning about stuff, <laughs> and I don't want that. No, I mean, it's, this is good stuff. I mean, the, the, uh, again, that's one of the things that we want to learn on this is how do we become better disciples, and hearing what other people do in their stories can can maybe, you know, somebody, uh, I don't, I'm not really into reading, or but oh, yeah, I could latch on to that, you know, and we mm-hmm. only do it through hearing through others, so, mm-hmm. but... But, but Jim, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. That's some good stuff. And I um, appreciate you and, and your fl- influence on my discipleship journey, too, has been one that I'll always cherish and um, always look for you to be sharpened in many ways. So mm. I appreciate that. Mm. And so. Love you, buddy. And it's good to talk to you, Dwayne. Uh, uh, I'm proud of Proud of you and uh, what's going on, uh, man! I hear good things about the Covenant Church. I'm uh, proud for the church too. Uh, well, wow, man. well, good I'm a bunch of folks. They are a bunch of folks, and I'm blessed every day to be here um, and to be with them. And I appreciate you because you've been with me every step of the way on this this whole journey. So, love you, man. Appreciate it. Tell your wife hello from everybody at Covenant. <laughs> and to yours, and uh, catch you later on the escalator. All right, see you, buddy. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Love you. Bye. Love you, dude. All right, that was the Reverend Jim Fisk uh, sharing his story. Um, uh, Next week we'll have a new story. And so I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, Check us out on Facebook. Follow us at covenantchurchofada.com. And this Sunday, 1045, if you have nowhere to go, uh, we will be continuing our study on the seven deadly sins and how do we become a better disciple and follower of Jesus. Hope you all have a good week. I hope you all are blessed. Bye-bye.